You're listening to Hope for Today Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the Word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. Uh, So Psalm 107, a beautiful part of Scripture, poetic, but also very instructional uh, for our faith here today. It says, uh, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. And sometimes you could stop there and say, that's enough. And it's, it's incredible. It's profound. But look how the writer continues and says, let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that he has redeemed them from the power of the foe. You know, when you think about the foe in our lives, Lucifer, the devil, he's always seeking to get us off course using every little thing that he possibly can to make us to curse the name of the Lord, to revert us from a place of praise that he is good and his love endures forever to, well, sometimes I think he's good and maybe his love isn't all that enduring. That's his ploy. That's the plan of our great foe. But look how the writer continues to say, how, you know, some wandered in a desolate desolate wilderness, finding no way to a city where they could live. They were hungry and thirsty, and their spirits failed within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he rescued them from their distress. He led them by the right path to go to a city where they could live. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. And where I want to park is for he has satisfied the thirsty and filled the hungry with good things. You know, Jesus on this weekend, I can't help but recall when Jesus says, you know, come to me. All who come to me and, and thirst, they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. He says, when they come to me, I will give them that they will never thirst again. Out of them will flow rivers of living water, that he gives good things. He says, the Father, there's no shifting of, a, of lights or there's no shadow. He, he does not give bad gifts, but he gives good gifts. And it all rests here in the very beginning of verse one. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. In my prayer this afternoon and our time together and those joining virtually, that collectively we would overflow with this thankfulness as, they, as we worship the Lord through the word together. What, what comes to mind when you think about this part of scripture? You know, surely this verse is a powerful reminder of who God is. He tells us in the word that before Abraham was, that I am. In Hebrews, we're told that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so in a good way, we always hear the negative side. There's so many things that happen to us where we become triggered and we become upset because of things around us. But in this way, as we read this verse, it's triggering us in a good way to be, to be thoughtful in reflection on God's unfailing, enduring love. But it's so much more than a statement, isn't it? 
It's an opportunity to express gratitude for as many blessings in our life. It's, it's one thing to take stock of how God has worked and the many blessings, but it's another thing to, to get on your, your hands and knees, so to speak, and to give praise and, and, and worship the one who has endured that his love has never failed you. You know what hit me like a ton of bricks is, when has God ever failed me? Not once. And you, you really try to think about it, like, oh, maybe there is a time where maybe God wasn't all, you know, fully listening, maybe not omnipresent. But we know that would be a falsehood. I keep trying to look to my right as if I have media people here and there, there's no one there. But the foe, the enemy, wants us to think that God is not enduring. He, his love is not unfailing. And there are times where we're left wanting. But when I take stock this Thanksgiving weekend, I can truly say from the depths of my very being that his love never fails. That he's been faithful through it all. So let me ask you that question again. How does this verse speak to you? How does this speak to you? Go ahead and shout it out. How does this verse speak to you? Brings peace. Beautiful. Peace. Dependence. That's awesome. Dependence. Peace. Peace. Dependence. Amen. His love never wavers because you can depend on him. He never gives up on us. You know, when I wrote down, what does this verse mean to me? Out of all those things that you said, I, I wrote down that he is constant. But even more than that, this is so much more than a poetic expression, but a literal truth that we find throughout the Bible. You look through the pages of scripture and you, you flip through, you know, male and female from the time of, you know, Adam and Eve and, and Jesus or God working through in the garden and ensuring that they would not be left to their own vices and to be an eternal damnation from the very beginning that he has been wonderfully constant and not giving up on us that we can carry that then from Monday to Saturday, that he endures, his love is never ending. He does not fail. And so you've mentioned peace. You've mentioned dependence. You know, sometimes we go through this, this life and we are quick and ready to thank everyone else around us. We're able to quick and identify and affirm those who have maybe helped us out in different ways. But how often do we take the time to sit back and give praise to he is worthy of it all? You know, when I was at um, a minister's conference this past week, I was at Blue Mountain, which is one of the uh, more beautiful places to hold a gathering and a conference. It's been a long time since I was at Blue Mountain. But I was there for the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, Western Ontario District, minister's gathering. I was there for three days and it was a wonderful, refreshing time for me because in that place, I've spent many years in, in the fellowship, but there was a shift in culture. There was a shift in a clear apparentness that people were hungry for all things authentic, all things genuine from the Lord, but there was a collective unison voice of giving praise to he who is worthy. 
I have never before been in a room of men and women and even children just shouting and proclaiming, even weeping, that was so tangible that it moved me to be, I'm trying to think of the word, prostate or whatever it is, right there before the Lord at the altar, unable to move, overflowing with thanksgiving. And it's almost like a, a ticker tape began to flash through my mind, almost like they say what people see when they're facing their last you know, hour of life or so, or their last breath. But I started to see these, these images of God's faithfulness and his enduring love in my own life. But then he began to show me just uh, incredible into the supernatural, began to then see images of God's faithfulness to other people that were around me. And I was like, Lord, are, are you giving me a visual word of knowledge for people? And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit was doing. And then he began to move upon me with a prophetic word to utter the words, hear my people, see how I've been enduring and faithful in all of your lives. Not once has a prayer gone unanswered. Not once have I failed you. And when you seek me, you trust me the whole heart. See, there is nothing that's impossible for me. And I got to tell you, when I was at the altar and I was proclaiming this, I was shaking at the same time, joyfully shaking, but I was, you know, timid and humble in a place of, hey, you know what, I'm kind of new again to the family. Um, I didn't want to bring any attention to myself, but I got to tell you, when I stepped out, and, and prophetically, with the word knowledge, declared the truth of God over you know, my brothers and sisters in Christ, I was enriched. And then I began to continue to overflow with thanksgiving. I couldn't help but think of this passage. Again, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. You know, when you think of all the things that we're thankful for, how God has come through in a crunch. He, many times it can feel like the 11th hour. Each one of us would more than likely say, well, we can't forget about the tremendous gift that we're thankful for, salvation. Ephesians 1, 7 says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. And I have a greater appreciation of what Paul's saying there in verse eight. This wasn't God being reactionary. In his good wisdom and in his good timing, Jesus came at the exact point in human history that he had predestined for him to arrive on the scene and to take care of all the sins of the world, past, present, future. And then it says, he made known this mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ and has a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. And so in him, we have received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will. So that we who had already put our hope in Christ, might bring praise to his name. So outside of you and I be, being conformed to be more like Christ, being crafted, reformed, spiritual formation is to be reformed to the image of Christ. Outside of that and that great purpose of his will, the will of the Father is that we would bring glory to his name. 
And so I have to tell you, when I was rubbing shoulders with fellow ministers and I saw people pressing in and not running for the exits and running to the coffee line to catch up and chit chat with their seminary buddies and such, I was tremendously pleased because I wasn't leaving. I wasn't leaving because I I came there saying, Lord, I believe that you called and stirred the plant hope for today. And we're going through a a pruning season. And we know with pruning comes tremendous growth, but I can easily become weary in the flesh. Hello, when we look around, I can say it, you know, even here on camera, that we are low in numbers today, which is okay. People have plans and such, but in the flesh, you can, you know, deviate and say, what's the point? (laughs) But there is so much more, so much more that God is doing, even the behind the scenes that we don't see. And at the end of the day, what depends on me, what depends on you, is that we give glory to his name because he's worthy of it all. So you might be sitting here today and saying, well, what are some of the ways that we can glorify God? If that's part of his will, what are some of those ways Well, outside of what Paul says, give praise to his name, the key things we see here in this verse is to have an attitude of gratitude. And I have to tell you, this is probably one of the most difficult things to have an attitude of gratitude with everything I just said. But when we take stock of what we have, when we take stock that we were fallen and there was no way we could pick ourselves up out of that pit and Jesus made, made it possible that through his sacrifice we've been reconciled and through re- repentance and atonement we have right relationship with God. Hello, that's like our starting point. We're beginning from there. It can only get better from here. He's better than we think. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Think upon the ministry of Jesus for a moment. Maybe even visually for a second. Think upon all the things that Jesus said, the the time he took to minister, the time he took, even when he was preaching in a synagogue, the the roof ripped open and and friends of a, a, a paralytic man was lowered through the floor and he took time to minister to that person who had tremendous need. Think about all the ways in which he moved, the the way he endured, the way that he endured, not only the weight of his mission, but in the face of rejection and betrayal, and yet he remained steadfast in what the heavenly father called him to. But he knew what we were facing. And so when we think, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his faith, love endures forever, he understands what we're going through. Matthew 26, 42, this happened a few times. It says, again, a second time, Jesus went away and prayed. And this is before he went to the cross. And he said, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink of this cup, your will be done. Your will be done. What is gratitude? What is love? I believe Jesus modeled for us so many times through scripture. That was just a snapshot of a, of a, a statement and a verse of his, his, his love, his tremendous love, willing to go the distance, even though he felt the full weight of what that mission meant. And I wrote this. Gratitude in summary means this. Involves being thankful for specific acts of kindness or help. And so in Ensis, Ensis is, it's, um, 
a conscious acknowledgement of the Lord's kindness. But then if that's gratitude, what is love? Because the scripture says God is love. It says this, it's a deep emotional response that goes beyond specific actions. It involves affection, care, and concern for someone or something. Would you say that that fits within the nature of who God is, that he shows this immense care, that he went, was willing to go through a, 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 a affliction, that he showed tremendous concern, that he was willing to go the distance? Love and gratitude. John 14, 21 says this, the one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me and the one who loves me will be loved by my father. I also will love him and reveal myself to him. There's this gratitude then steps in the place of love, this willful action, this willful action. And Peter, who knew Jesus very well, experienced the grace of the Lord on his own life, writes this, for you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. So gratitude begins with, oh, thank you so much. God, your, your love is unfailing. It's amazing what you've done to me, done for me. And then you move into place of loving action because of what you've done. I'm filled with gratitude. I'm going to follow you with my very life. I want to follow in your footsteps. I believe that's what Peter was getting at. So what are some next steps as we begin to wrap up here? And how we can, you know, follow in the footsteps of Christ in this attitude of gratitude. The first is gratitude in adversity. You know, we've all faced adversity. Many teams and sports teams will say, you know, adversity is the stuff that championships are made of. You don't really know what kind of team you have until that camaraderie is developed in adversity. Look what Jesus says, Matthew 5, 11 to 12. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Here, Jesus isn't saying, hey man, everything's gonna be great, fine and dandy. You're clearly going to have adversity, but don't focus on what you're facing in the here and the now. At the, very, at the very least, remember the great reward you have in heaven. That's the staying power. The reward that we have in heaven. No matter what we face, that reward cannot be taken from us. Gratitude and adversity. Number two is love and forgiveness. You know, last week, Don was prophesying with a word of knowledge that we need to exercise forgiveness we know the power of issuing forgiveness and receiving forgiveness. And if we're not willing to do so, that very bitterness, you know, bubbles up and it destroys your life. In Matthew 22, 37, 39, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the greatest and most important commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as your Self. I don't think anyone wants to walk around the face of this earth having a bunch of people hating you and, and not experiencing or offering forgiveness. 
to his disciples, Jesus also uh, expanded upon this and said in John 15, 12, this is my command, love one another as I have loved you. So maybe perhaps you look to your brother or your sister, so to speak, and you see an imperfect picture of God in them. And we're all a work in progress. But so then Jesus really teased it up so excellently. Well, just so there's no mistake, love one another as I have loved you. That he is unfailing in his forgiveness. He's unfailing in his love for he is good. He is unmatched in his moral behavior and all that he does and says over us. And so through these words, Jesus emphasizes the importance of this love, this importance of this forgiveness and showcasing God's enduring love through our actions. How could we possibly really live out an attitude of gratitude and adversity or love and forgiveness? We know that's by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm one of those people. I many times would want to refrain from offering forgiveness, but only by the power of the Holy Spirit is it possible? Look at this uh, passage of scripture in Matthew 8, 20 to 22. Many have quoted this, um, as we all have, and, and facing situations and difficulties. We're told this in verse 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. Then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or my sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? Because seven is the number of perfection, right? And Jesus says, I tell you, not as many as seven, but 70 times seven. That is a lot. But look back to verse 20. He says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. So not like just seeing a breakthrough in your life, you need to have a physical need in your body, but that can also overflow into the area of offering forgiveness. Where two or three are gathered, we're going through a situation, you're being counseled, but this beautiful aspect is that because you're gathered together in the presence and the name of Jesus, that there in that conversation, that the Holy Spirit will muster the ability and the strength to offer that forgiveness that maybe you weren't fit and ready to offer prior. And so what I appreciate about, again, this verse and going back to my time at this conference on Monday was that there was a tangible, um, a tangible moving of the Holy Spirit where people were not only declaring the praises of God, but they were going to one another and asking uh, forgiveness of one another for days past where maybe they ruffle feathers, maybe because, you know, at times you can be concerned with your own kingdoms and your churches and transfer growth and all these different things. And so these men and women would go to each other and say, hey, you know what, would you forgive me for being, you know, upset with you over this and this and that? And I tell you, you thought the room was poised and ripe for the transformative presence of Jesus. After that, the roof just blew off, so to speak. Like it was just like fire filled the place. And in that place, this cultivation through forgiveness, there were all these grateful hearts worshiping in one accord. And so many ways, this verse reminds us to come together in one accord, to give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. What does this verse 
What does this statement that's more than just a poetic expression mean to you? I'm going to invite Brad to come and, and John, you guys can join me up here. Whether in joy or despair, we can remember that in it all, in the midst of it all, that his love endures and that we at the very least can trust in his sovereignship and his plan for our lives. As we go on from this place here today, I want to encourage you with something that when you sit around, you know, there is, you know, Thanksgiving, festivities happening, activities, take time to remember God's goodness. To Together, you know, it's, it's good to, in your own private time, in your prayer closet, to come before the Lord and, and exercise thanksgiving in your heart for all that he's done. But there's something about he says in the word, coming together collectively to give thanks for he is good and his love endures forever. And I believe out of that place that we can leave that dinner table and we can be like Jesus, we can be like the apostles and become vessels of God's love shining so brightly. Imagine how bright they'll be to those you come in contact with because when you face adversity, you don't run. You don't grumble. You don't complain. It's tempting to do that in the flesh. But where the, the flesh is weak, the spirit is willing. And when people see your attitude of gratitude and adversity, when they see that you're willing to, to love and, and show care for one another, but also to offer forgiveness, that's something that the world so desperately needs. People take notice of that, that light because it's unlike anything that they've ever seen truly in their life. And so as I read these words the last time, give thanks to God, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever that the redeemed Lord proclaim that he has redeemed them from the power of the foe. For his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. For he has satisfied the thirsty and has filled the hungry with good things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are a good father. Lord, that you give amazing gifts, good gifts. Lord, we're mindful of the tremendous gift of salvation, that redemptive redemption, that forgiveness that we have in you by what you did at Calvary. And then even if that wasn't enough, Lord, that you promised to send your Holy Spirit to guide us and to protect us in our thought life and our actions. And that was in all that we would be empowered to be your witnesses in this world, your ambassadors, to walk in your footsteps. That even better on top of all of that, the Lord, we're not alone. That when we're gathered together in your presence, you say that there I am. I am always there in your midst. Lord, we thank you that you are here. Even the beauty of this, this intimate time together in our, in our fellowship, this time and season. Lord, we thank you that you are here and that your love abounds within us. Lord, may it stir us and bubble up within us and overflow outward into contact with those that we, we talk with and we share the gospel with. 
And Lord, we know and declare that you build your family, you're building your church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Our foe will not prevail against us because we are mighty through faith in you. We overcome all things because you are good and your love endures forever. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's seal this time we have together in the word and we'll allow this to be our, our close uh, together. But if, uh, if you're here or even online, you have a prayer request, feel free to uh, pray with one another. And then online, um, you can go ahead on the website, uh, hopefordaychurch.org slash prayer. And we would love to uh, pray with you also. Let's worship together.
God bless you guys. Have a great rest of the day. Whenever, whenever you take a bite and eat turkey or stuffing or whatever it is, make sure you give glory to God because he's good. And his love endures forever. He made that turkey and you can enjoy it. So bless you. Bless you who are joining us virtually. Have a great rest of the day. God bless you.